Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I'm joined by Simon Alexander-Ong, and we're going to be talking about the art and science of energy management. The modern world demands a lot from our time, attention, focus, and energy. So this is something that I'm really excited to learn much more about today with Simon, and we're gonna talk all about his brand new book, Energize, how to make the most of every moment. Welcome to the podcast, Simon. Adrian, thank you so much for having me on today. Honestly, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a lot of reasons. And firstly, because, I mean, people must say this to you all the time, but people always say to me, Adrian, you have so much energy, you know, how are you always so energised? But Simon, I think you have more energy than me. <laughs> and funny enough, Adrian, that is one of the reasons I wrote the book, because I would come down from stages speaking to audiences and members would come running up to me and say, Simon, your energy was crazy. If only I had just a small ounce of what you have, I could go on and accomplish so much more. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think even though, you know, I'm joking about it, I think the first time we ever connected online, you sent me a voice note and I remember just thinking, wow, you know, you sent me this <laughs> message that was just like so, yeah, full of energy and full of uh, just it was just so lovely to to connect with you, and I knew that this conversation would come at some point, and here we are. <laughs> so let's start off, I guess, a little bit before we dive into the book and everything, just to give a bit of context, I suppose, to the listeners about who you are, mm. what you do, and actually, most importantly, why you do it. Sure. So I, I was born here in the UK to Malaysian parents, and I grew up with this mistaken belief that success was defined by my job title. So it was go to university, graduate, become a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant, these very traditional paths. And so my ambitions were limited to these uh, these four avenues. I went to the London School of Economics, and then after I graduated in 2007, I entered the world of finance. Now, for any of you that recall, that was probably the worst time to start in that industry. This was a year before the global financial crisis of 2008. And just to make things a little more interesting, the company I signed on to was Lehman Brothers, which collapsed into bankruptcy 14 months after I joined. And while it was a very scary moment of my life, all of this uncertainty and chaos going around me, when I look back, it was a beautiful blessing in disguise because it kick-started the longest journey that we humans make, the inches from our heads to our hearts. Never an easy journey, but the most important and fulfilling that we will ever make. And so that led me to asking some important questions about myself. What did success mean to me? What sort of impact did I want to have in the world? And what did fulfillment look like? And that led me to what I now get to do today, which is to coach those in leadership positions, speak at some incredible companies and stages around the world. And more recently, apart from becoming a father for the first time, was landing a book deal with Penguin to share my thoughts and insights with the world. Yeah, and before we go into all of it, I really want to touch back on a moment you said there about feeling that moment of chaos and crisis, because mm. I, and that, and that 
kind of leading you to that place of self-reflection, to thinking about asking important questions. Because I think that's what's happened for so many people, Mm. given the last two years, the pandemic, having to really change and adapt and reflect on people's lifestyles. Mm. Am I living the life that I want to be living? Does the work that I do matter? Is it meaningful? Mm. You know, if I carry on living my life this way how will I feel in one year or two years or five Mm. years and I think some of the questions that people maybe normally would have kicked down the road or maybe they wouldn't have been so aware of until maybe they were I don't know looking at retirement or then they might have started asking these questions I think what the pandemic did for so many people was accelerate that hyper awareness Mm. of the fragility of life the importance of relationships or work or career or as you said Mm. success and how we define those things so I think it's a really interesting time because the conversations that I'm having as well are just everyone seems to want to really go a level deeper Mm. and and make conscious choices so I think uh, yeah probably a lot of people can relate to that feeling of am I doing what I want to do (laughs) like is this important does this matter you know Definitely. And it's, it's interesting what you what you said there, Adrian, because I think for so many of us, the COVID pandemic gave us the opportunity to step away from that hamster wheel because so many of us are, are just busy but not really going anywhere. And so when we think about personal growth and development, we can only experience that when we have a deep sense of self-awareness. And that is why true wisdom always begins with knowing ourselves. And we have been given this opportunity in the last couple of years to really reflect on what matters most. And people now, I'm noticing, having the courage to take those first steps. You may have heard of the term coming out of America, the great resignation. Mm. Uh, And that is because people are asking themselves, do I want to be in this job for the next 10 years? Is this something that makes me feel fulfilled? And understanding that there actually is a difference between success and fulfillment. Mm. You can look successful on the outside, but you might not be fulfilled inside. And how you feel inside is actually what is most important. Absolutely. And it's an interesting one because I also think people are kind of mistaking this great resignation, as you just, as you just got, <laughs> with a feeling that they should want to do that as well, that they mm. should want to, you know, quit your job and become an entrepreneur or, you know, start, <laughs> I don't know, making jam. Mm. And actually, it's also, there's probably a lot of people who think, actually, I really like my job. Mm. I really like the work that I do. Maybe sometimes I'm overworked or I'm stressed out or I'm, mm. you know, we all take on probably too much and we can get busy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to rip it all up and start again. It can just be looking at what you have and going, what works and what mm. do I love and what gives me energy and what do I want to change or refine or, or just you tweak a little bit mm. instead of thinking, right, everything has to go and we have to start from scratch. Would you agree? Definitely. And, and I think it's not always the case about changing jobs or starting a business. I mean, if that is what you ultimately want to do long term, then yes, go for it. But, but I think that for many of us, it can be simply a matter of changing perspective, changing our environment, changing the way we operate every single day. And I think what makes many of us bored and feeling lost is the fact that we can predict the feeling of what is going to unfold in our day we already know what is going to come so we look at our calendar and we see oh it's another meeting oh it's this project again i've got to go to this place this is the routine i'm going to do yet again and because we can predict the feeling ahead of time we already know it's going to be another one of those same days Mm -hmm. but when we inject variety difference new perspective creativity into our days and we cannot predict the feeling ahead of time it does create a bit of excitement yeah yeah i hadn't really thought about it like that 
But I've got so many questions for you, Simon, specifically about the book. So, you know, whenever I read a book for the first time, I know that I'm I know that I'm enjoying it when I have to go and get a pen. You know, if I have to either highlight something or write down some notes. So where I want to start is I guess energy, let's talk about that, because I think there's two parts, as you mentioned, the art and the science. Mm. I think there's a lot of people that just talk about energy in this way that seems a little bit kind of vague and a bit, you know, oh, good energy, bad energy, vibes. And mm. there's people that I think are either really, really drawn to that and they love that language. You know, people that will ask me, what's your star sign? Or people that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They'll yeah. kind of say, oh, you've got this good energy or I'm getting good vibes from this or, or vice versa. They'll say, no, there's bad energy here. And there's that kind of, uh, I don't want to say woo-woo, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And then there's the other side, I think, which is far more... Uh, science and you know mm. I, I think where I probably lean more is into okay I know that there's neurochemistry happening mm. in the brain I know that we all have uh, things that will impact that i.e sleep deprivation mm. caffeine uh, different things environment conversation all these things and that there is a science there there is neuroplasticity mm. there's all these things that are happening in the brain and the body and that they are connected so I guess I'd love to ask you you're the, the expert <laughs> and how when you talk to people about energy what is it that you're talking about sure well, first of all it's to understand we all know it intellectually we, we may not be aware of the fact that we know it but we do you you mentioned the word vibes now if you talk about it in the street on social media you might call it vibes if you practice yoga you will probably call it prana if you're from my chinese culture chi if you're from the Maori culture, they call it mana. Uh, or if you're a fan of Star Wars, you refer to it as the force. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're actually referencing is the same thing. It is energy as a life force. Mm. Um, and many of us aren't tapping into that. We all vibrate at a certain level, but unless we understand how that influences our life, we can't really manage it in a way that can work for us. So this is where the art and science comes in. The science part is, as you said, there's some simple things that can help us have a baseline level of energy. So if you are getting good rest and sleep, if you're eating well, if you're moving your body, you've got a good baseline of energy. That's the science that backs that. If you don't sleep, if you punish your body through eating unhealthy foods, if you don't move on a regular basis, then it's proven that you're not going to really have the energy to plow through each day. So that's the science element. And of course, there is also science that backs the mental side of things and how we manage our mindset. The art of it comes in the fact that how do we understand our own energy levels? And for each of us, it will be different. Uh, you will have heard of the terms of night owls, early risers, and we all have different energetic rhythms. Mm. Most of us, we mistakenly focus purely on time management when it comes to productivity. So when people say we've got to be more productive, we go, okay, I've got to manage my time better. The challenge if we focus purely on time management is we assume that our energy is constant throughout the whole day. Mm. So we open our diary and we look at the times that we have spare and we go, okay, at four o'clock I'm gonna put in a gym session and then 6.30 I'm gonna start on that important project. But we all know that's not gonna happen because our energy in most cases starts to dip after mid-afternoon. Mm. And so you are putting up a big challenge for yourself to go to the gym or to start that big project right at the end of the day. And so what we actually want to do is where the art comes in is how do we work with our energy rather than work against it. And so once we understand the periods of our day and week and month in which we are at our highest levels of energy, we can actually move things to take advantage of that. And when we have those periods in which we have low energy, we can move the more 
mundane tasks, if you will, mm. to those periods of the day, week and month. And so when it comes to our energy management, physical health and our physical body, the body that we live in, we all know that it's important, right? We know that we should exercise regularly. We've all been told, you know, that <laughs> this kind of exercise lowers heart rate, this uh, lowers blood pressure, this kind of exercise is good for strength, this kind of exercise is good for stress relief mm. or, you know, increasing adrenaline and cortisol so i think we've been told that a Mm. lot we've been told you know that sleep is important diet we know these things i don't think this is new information but what i like and what i highlighted actually in your book was when you said that people need to get serious about Mm. their health and you say that we should stop treating our health like a side hustle Mm. so i really wanted to dive into that with you and and yeah i think i guess find out what did you mean when you said that and what do you mean about people getting serious about their health if they know these things okay i should do that sometimes i do it sometimes i don't why do we need to kind of really yeah focus and make this Mm. a priority well first of all on the statement stop making your health a side hustle for me that is crucial and that is why i started the first chapter with that because i personally went through experiences of burnout of stress and i saw that nothing can happen when you have zero energy, when you feel exhausted and drained. In fact, if you look at some of the most successful leaders and uh, thinkers on the planet, what you notice is that they may not necessarily be the smartest or the fastest or the most intelligent, but what they are the best at is sustaining their level of energy because they know that you cannot show up as your best self if you are drained and exhausted. And so for me, prioritizing your health is essential because if you look at the past couple of years in which many of us have actually began to prioritize our health as a result of the COVID pandemic, what we have noticed is that to the healthy person, they may have many wishes, goals, and dreams, but to the unhealthy, they have but one. So when we have a baseline, we can build on top of that. Now, how do we take that more seriously? Because as you said, we will intellectually know that we have to prioritize our health if we want to have more energy. For me, it's all about making it fun. And it's something that I talk a lot about in the book, is that if you don't follow a process that is fun and makes you want to get involved, then you're simply not going to follow through with it. So when I talk about moving our body as an example, you don't have to think about just going to the gym. There's a story of uh, a lady I talked about in a book called Sophie Radcliffe, and you know she didn't like to go to the gym. And so what she did is she took her exercise outdoors. She cycled, she climbed mountains, she ran, and that's where she found her spirit to be. She found herself energized by doing those activities. So think about how can you make the process of exercise more fun for you that leverages some of your interests and strengths? Mm, I'm going to challenge you now because I think it's probably quite an unpopular opinion when it comes to exercise and movement but what about when it's not fun what about Mm. when the reality is you know for a lot of people it's not fun and they'll say that to me adrian you like running good for you you like walking (laughs) you like being outside and taking your son for a bike ride or you know going to the gym maybe i'm not really a a gym person myself either but for some people they just don't enjoy it it's not fun and they they you know never be fun and my personal viewpoint which is why I say it's sometimes an unpopular opinion (laughs) is because I think it is so so important it is so crucial I think it underpins everything that even if it's not fun Mm. maybe you just have to do it maybe you just have to think actually Mm. if it's important to you make time make space have discipline and I'm not saying you know every single day you'd have to train for a marathon but Mm. move your body stretch walk do something that makes you sweat that gets your heart rate up and you know what even if it's not fun if it's important, 
paying my taxes isn't fun, <laughs> but I have to do it. You know, I know it's important. I, basically, I think it's non-negotiable. There's no mm. other option. So I don't know. Maybe so some people, they think that's a little bit harsh or not realistic. What do you think? Do you think it should be non-negotiable and you just have to get on with it even if it's not fun? Absolutely. For, for me, it is one of my non-negotiables, Adrian. You know, I, I often get asked, what are the habits that for you are non-negotiable? For me, it is exercise. Mm. I begin every day by moving my body. Even if it's not a day I'm particularly feeling energized, I'll just go for a swim or walk around the, uh, around the block. And one thing I would challenge people about if they said, I don't enjoy exercise, is how have you felt when you last did exercise? Because you may not always want to do it, at the beginning or before you embark on the trip to the gym or to go outside for a run. But I promise you that once you've done it, you always feel better for it. Mm. You never regret the fact you did some exercise. So maybe the question you should be asking yourself is how do I want to feel today? And use that as a catalyst for moving your body. Yes, yes, because what's the alternative? <laughs> well, like, seriously, like as you described, maybe you don't enjoy it, but what's the alternative? Are you enjoying feeling mm. maybe lethargic, tired having maybe back pain because a lot of people if we're sitting a lot our sedentary lifestyle at laptops mm. and you know we people have pain actually and i think that is an again it's a blocker we're going to come on to talk about blockers but that's also people say it's an excuse i think no mm. it's not an excuse it's a blocker if you have pain it's harder to exercise so it's a vicious cycle mm. and i really want to challenge people to think yes if you don't enjoy exercise if you don't want to do it I don't want to sound like a sergeant major, oh, you know, <laughs> but it's like the alternative. Really sit with the alternative and say, what is the alternative if I continue to live this way for another six months, for another year, mm. for another five years? Especially if you're young, you think you're never going to get old. <laughs> but actually, yeah, what's the alternative for our for our physical bodies, and how mm. does that impact our social lives, our parenting, our mindset, our energy? Mm. And I think that that's that's very important to to raise people's awareness about Adrian because. There's an exercise I share in a book about beliefs, uh, but I think we can apply the same exercise to moving our body. And it's to understand what is not moving my body costing me? What would it cost me if I continue not to look after my body? Mm. And so when we can feel that pain in the present, it acts as a motivator for us to take action on it. For me, one of my greatest motivators is the fact that I want to live a long life. Now that I've become a parent, I want to be around for when my child grows up. And so for me, that's a natural motivator to get me up every morning and to look after my body. Yes, yes. And your motivation can be whatever you choose it to be. Sometimes that's the other thing. People think it has to be this virtuous thing that if you told other people, maybe it can be as anything you want. You know, even I think the narrative now that we're not allowed to want to exercise for aesthetics or to look a certain way or to tell people, you know, some people might say, I know a guy who always says he wants to look good naked and people <laughs> roll their eyes and think, oh, how shallow are you? But he says it because he's like, yeah, I want to be healthy. I want to be fit. But he's young and he says it because he means it. <laughs> It's like, I want to feel desirability. I want to feel sexy. I want to feel strong. And I, I think you're not allowed to admit that. You have to say it's because, I don't know, you want to have, you don't want to get diabetes. Of course you don't. <laughs> but I also think whatever your reason is, whatever your motivation is, whatever your why is, that is fine. And, you know, like you say, kind of uh, challenging the alternative mm. and thinking about it in that way, I think is, is really, really cool. But I want to move on to talk about energy blockers mm. and so this isn't just to do with our physical bodies this can be to do with you know productivity mm. focus distraction relationships actually the people that we talk to things that are influencing us so yeah let's talk to us a little bit about energy blockers what they are and then 
how can we overcome them, remove them, and, and I guess whose responsibility is it to, to make that change? Sure. Well, I mean, in, in terms of last question, it's easier. I think ultimately the responsibility is ourselves. Um, and, and I'm a big believer that life only truly begins once we take full responsibility for where we are and where we want to be. Now, when it comes to energy blockers, there are different ways that we can view them. One is in terms of the mind. Uh, so those are the words that we are using to talk to ourselves. And, and that can block many of us from taking any action. So if you say to yourself, I can't do something, it will be years before you even try. Uh, maybe never in, in, in most people's cases. But if you say, I can do it, or how do I do it, or I believe I can do it, what happens is that you open the pathway to finding the opportunity, the connection, or the next step lands in front of you. But you have to be ready for that. Blockers also occur in terms of our environment. You know, who we spend time with uh, is a big factor of that. And that is why often when I'm asked what is the fastest way to make meaningful progress in our life, our career or business, it is to design an environment around us that makes it impossible not to succeed. Now, it's not just the people we spend time with. That is the obvious one that comes to our mind. But it's also what are you watching? What are you listening to? Who do you follow on social media? Your physical environment. All of these things are powerful. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, wrote that your environment is the invisible force that shapes your mind, how you see yourself and what is possible. And so the way I like to talk about energy blockers is through this analogy. And it's thinking of your mind as this boat in an ocean. And dry land ahead is the vision and the goals that you're working towards. Now, when the sea is calm, you can make progress towards where you want to be. But imagine that ocean around you is full of negativity. It's full of doubt. It's full of criticism. Now, if you're mindful of that, you can place boundaries around your boat so you don't allow that water to seep in and you can keep making progress forward. But the moment that you allow that water to invade your space, what happens is your boat starts to sink. Your boat can't make progress because it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And so that's why it is so important to know what things to block out so you can keep space and give oxygen to what matters most. I love that. I love anything that's visual. <laughs> I love anything that's as visual as that because, you know, we can talk about all these things and sometimes it's just you hear something like that that is so simple mm. and, and so true, actually. And I think, yeah, when it comes to navigating exactly that navigating blockers it's not about eliminating them and mm. thinking there'll always be things right there'll yeah. always be a last minute change of plan or i don't know let's i talk a lot obviously about about running and about <laughs> training but the weather might not be how you want it to be mm. or you might have an injury and there's all these things that are there that could derail you but i think you've always got to be open to saying okay how can i adapt how can i change how can i continue on mm. and i think the reason i embedded that question around whose responsibility is it is because at the moment again you know it's been really challenging time for all of us mm. you know for a lot of people the work that i'm doing at the moment i'm, I'm speaking to a lot of companies that have a lot of employees mm. and i listen to them i do the q a i listen to their you know what are they struggling with when it comes to their energy their well-being their productivity their motivation mm. and a lot of people at the moment i think feel quite helpless they feel like mm. there's so many things that are impacting their lives in a negative way and they feel like they can't change you know it's almost like an us and them you know they're blaming okay whether it's well mm. our our managers are giving us too much work or there's all these things going on in the world that are of course upsetting and distressing there's all these things outside of our control and I, again i know you talk about this in the book things that you can control and things that you can't mm. but i think this idea of 
who's responsible ultimately sure. for your environment, for mm. your energy. As you said, what are you looking at? What are you listening to? What are you eating? How much are you sleeping? It might seem like the small things. They are the fundamental things mm. shaping your day, your week and your life. So if you feel that feeling of, well, it's not my fault at the moment that I feel terrible, it's because there's bad things happening in the world. There's uncertainty happening mm. in the world. Energy prices are changing. Interest rates, the cost of living. There's a war going mm. on. There's all of these things. There's negative news all the time. And then, yeah, you throw into the mix, maybe within the place that you work, there might be a lot of change, you know? And so people say to me, like, yeah, it's hard to think, oh, let's get motivated to go out for a <laughs> run or let's get motivated to, I don't know, do a team building exercise. When in reality, there's so many things out of our control. Mm. That I think it's really... We have to fight the urge, I think, to just surrender and go, well, everything's bad. You know, it feels Definitely. a lot of very doom and gloom at the moment. <laughs> and, and what I would say in, in response to that, Adrienne, is that what I've started to share with many of my clients and people, especially over the last couple of years, because we have had a lot of external challenge of things that we can't control, is I, I remind them that there is no one reality. We like to think we all live in the same reality, but we don't. We live in customized realities. So when an event happens, the way you interpret it might be different to the way I do, different to the way my partner does and, and my friend does. Now, what that tells us is that moment to moment, we are simply living in the feeling of our thinking. And our thought is creating the landscape of our environment. But we are giving up the ownership of that paintbrush to somebody else in many cases. Mm. When in fact, the moment we take that paintbrush back and we choose different thoughts, think of thoughts of, thoughts are like colors on, on a palette when you're painting a canvas. You can choose a different color at any moment to, to change how your canvas looks. But yet we give control over who chooses those colors to someone else. So when we take back that control, we can begin to focus on the things that we can control. And there is always, always something that you can control, however small. It may not be big, but focus on what you can control first. And that's how we get momentum. That's how we have progress in, in our career journey, in our life journey. But so often, we are choosing to give up that control. And we want other people to decide for us. And of course, when you think like that, your realities can be very different. But at any moment, you have the power to choose one thought over another. It's like the the uh, the Taoist story. I don't know if you've come across this famous story, Adrian, about the old farmer uh, who lost his horse one morning. It ran away from the village and the neighbors came together and they said to the farmer, what bad luck that you've lost your horse. And the farmer simply replied, maybe, maybe not. The next day, the horse comes back with four wild horses, so five in total. And the neighbors say, what great luck to the farmer. Again, he says, maybe maybe not. The next day, his son is tending to one of them and he gets injured, breaking his leg in the process. The neighbors reacted saying, what bad luck? Farmer says, maybe, maybe not. And on the final day, the army comes through the village, recruiting all able-bodied men to fight in the war, except the farmer's son. And again, they say to him, what great luck and fortune that your son is spared from this war. And the farmer said, maybe, maybe not. And I think so many of us are like those neighbors. We're quick to judge. We're quick to react. We're quick to get emotionally swept up with whatever is going on. But imagine we could pause, just like the farmer, step back and choose how we respond, understanding that it is our perspective that creates our reality. This is fantastic. I hope people listening to this are 
they're going to talk about it and share it with someone else because no seriously because I'm listening to you and thinking I do that myself but we are humans you know we have emotions we're not perfect mm. but I really like that feeling of pausing firstly because you know being reactive is, is as we know can it's not always the best way mm. so pausing but then also saying maybe this outcome is what I would have chosen mm. maybe it's not definitely and, th- and that reminds me of uh, of a trip I made to Japan back in 2017 Adrian because I'm a Japanophile. Since that first trip to Japan, I've been going back every single year. And the first time I was there, I visited a city called Kyoto, which is known to be old Japan. And Kyoto has so many Zen temples. And so I signed myself up to one of these meditation courses, uh, one of these places. And I remember when we were waiting for the instructor to begin the class, there were these series of inscriptions uh, around the room that this was taking place. And one of them said something so simple, yet very profound, that speaks to what we've just been sharing. And that is this statement, be attached to no outcome and open to everything. And if I just split that into two for a second, be attached to no outcome is what allows us to live in the present. Because so many of us are attaching our well-being to an outcome. When I get that promotion, when I am happy, when this happens, when that happens, then I will feel this. But then what does that mean you are in the meantime? Anxious, living for the future, living as if you're never going to die and dying having never really lived. Being attached to an outcome gives us freedom to live in the present. Mm. And then being open to everything means that we embrace that eternal student mindset. It means that when something doesn't happen the way we want it, instead of getting caught up in it, we just simply ask ourselves, what else could that mean? What is the lesson here? And it opens the idea of a word that I came across in the research of my book, which is pronoia. And pronoia has the opposite definition of the word that we all know, paranoia. Mm. So paranoia is this feeling that the world is against me. I'm a victim of what is going on and why can't I achieve success? Because everybody's out there to hurt me or to make sure I don't succeed. Pronoia is the fact that the universe is conspiring in your favor that life is working for you and not against you. And so when we begin embracing pronoia, what happens is that even if something doesn't go your way, you're looking for how it is going your way. When something unexpected happens or you didn't get that promotion or you didn't get that job, when you work from a place of pronoia, you're looking for the opportunity in every setback, every challenge and every failure. Simon, I am nodding my head and smiling (laughs) because that word, even though I didn't know that was the word for it, pronoia, I think I have been living my entire life (laughs) with pronoia. And I'll tell you why. Of course, we all have big ambitions. Mm. We all, well, maybe I say that, I think in the work that we do, we work with a lot of people who have big ambitions, who want to live an extraordinary life and who think if I work hard, I can do it. You know, Mm. nothing in my life has ever been handed. (laughs) Nothing. You know, I think regular listeners of the show, if they've ever or if they've ever listened to me being interviewed on somebody else's show, often that's what people say. They're really surprised. They say, wow, I didn't realize actually, you know, I did come from very, very humble background and, you know, had I'd say difficult actually Mm. upbringing. And I really just believed paranoia. I believed that if I roll up my sleeves, if I work hard, it's going to turn out great. I'm going mm. to be able to do that. Even the ambitious things that I said as a young, you know, young woman, as a teenager, people probably rolled their eyes and thought, <laughs> God, you know, you think you can do that. And I always thought, yeah. And I don't know whether it was an ignorance or bliss. You know, ignorance is bliss. 
believing that yeah mm. okay I can do it I, I want to do it and I'm gonna do it and it's gonna work out some way somehow I'm gonna figure it out and actually in the most recent months since the pandemic feels as though you know hopefully it's coming to an end things are opening up again mm. we're able to travel we're able to see friends I've been traveling a lot you know mm. the last few months I'm very fortunate that I've been able to go and work in different places visit friends do all sorts of things and I keep telling people I'm you know this whole thing of living in the moment as much as I have big ambition for mm. the future as much as I want to encourage people to goal set and to think ahead I'm really encouraging people more than ever before to live your life while you're alive mm. live while you're alive I keep saying it to people <laughs> and I don't mean this way of YOLO you know do it today but as you described people are often waiting we're mm. waiting to get when we have more money when we get the promotion when we meet the guy or the girl mm. when the kids are older when I have more confidence there's always when 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 <laughs> But actually today, right now, this idea that actually live while you're alive, do that thing. Yes, it might be scary. Yes, it might be exciting. You might not know all the steps or the outcome. But I'm really, you know, every year when it's my birthday or friends' birthdays, I always ask my friends <laughs> questions on their birthday. So annoying. And I'll send them either a voice note or if I see them, I'll ask them, okay, what's something that you're leaving behind from mm -hmm. last year? And what's something that you're embracing for this year? And so when it was my birthday, I was thinking about that. And I'm hopefully I'm living uh, in, in alignment with this. I keep saying, I think I probably saw this somewhere. I'm ready to see just how good it can get. Mm. That's the mm. energy I'm moving with this year. <laughs> this year's energy is I am ready to see just how good it can get. And what I mean by that is my health, my mm. relationships, my life, my career, my work. And that doesn't mean everything has to be more, more, more. Mm. Actually, I've just had a week, you know, away and actually I wasn't working and I'm really trying to, I think, bring more mm. non-work into my mm. life, if I'm honest, because, you know, if I, <laughs> I could, I'm so sure you could just be working all the time. So I think, yeah, it's a really exciting time. It's, it's, it's a challenging time, as we've discussed, for a lot of people, but I want people to embrace this mindset, if they can, of saying, you know what, it's also an exciting mm. time. A time of change Definitely. and a time to embrace some good energy. <laughs> and, and just to your, your point just now, Adrian, about not waiting and, and living in the now, I, I want to share a short story that will hopefully motivate you and inspire you to take action today. Because when I was 17 years old, and it's a story that I share in chapter two of the book, when I was 17 years old, I, I remember being called into the headmaster's office. And when you're at that age and you get called into the headmaster's office, chances are it's because you are going to get told off for bad behavior or suspended from school. So I remember going to his office. I sat down and as he started speaking to me, I saw in the corner of my eye my, my dad in the reception. And just by the way he looked, I knew this wasn't about bad behavior. And he said to me, Simon, I want you to take the rest of the week off school. Your dad and brother are waiting outside uh, and ready to take you to the hospital because unfortunately your mum has slipped into a coma following a unfortunate accident. And so we go to the hospital, we, we spend the rest of the day in there by her bedside, but unfortunately a few days later she, she didn't make it. And so just before her 50th birthday, we were arranging her funeral. And I think an experience like that teaches you so so many life lessons but the one that i think stuck out to me the most were these two words don't wait don't wait if you embrace those two words don't wait it can become your greatest antidote to regret and the very thing that sets you on the path to your own fulfillment wow 
Thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's incredibly powerful. Those two words, simple words, don't wait. Mm. And as I said, I don't want it to sound cliche <laughs> of live in the moment because it is easy. You know, we all go into mm. social media and we see these, you know, quotes and these philosophies and these things that become become a little bit we've become a little bit desensitized like mm. we've diluted them but really i think yeah when you sit with something as simple as that and as powerful as that and and as you said about regret you know that word regret i think mm. so many people do have regrets because they do wait and they think they're going to get the opportunity to do mm. it one day one day one day and it might not be the case you know mm. for some people you know tomorrow isn't promised so wow thank you for sharing that it's very 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 powerful stuff thank you wow All right, let's talk about the power hour because, of course, I've been dying to get to this bit, especially when you were talking about energy management. You know I'm an early riser. I hope you know anyone listening to this show by now, they know I get up early for, for lots of different reasons. But I think I would like to hear from you for listeners that are thinking, okay, we know what the power hour is. We know that if we get up and take the first hour of the day to dedicate that to doing something for ourselves, whether that's reading, meditation, exercise, whatever you want, pick something, do it for an hour. I'm encouraging people to do that. But the thing that comes before that is sleep, mm. is bedtime. And in the book, you talk about a three, two, one uh, in the evening. So could you talk to the listeners a little bit about that and then tell us about your power hour? Sure. So I share a number of methods uh, in, in the book for sleeping. Three, two, one is one of them. Uh, and it's a great tactic uh, to help you ease into sleep. And I think the latter is the most important point. We want to ease into sleep rather than just jump straight from work or whatever you're doing and to sleep because what happens is it takes you longer to get into sleep if you haven't got a routine in place. So in the book, I, I talk about that strategy as well as another one which was really helpful for me which is the feeling of checking into a hotel room every single night. I love this. And, and this I like great. that because every time I was catching up with friends and I said to them, when was the last time that you had a proper rest. And many people would say to me, oh, it was when I went to Bali and I, we stayed at this beautiful resort. Uh, it was a stunning room and, and we just were so relaxed during that time. And I said to them, what made you feel relaxed? Now, apart from the environment, it was, well, oh, the bedroom was amazing. Let me show you some photos. The hotel industry and the industry that provides accommodation for you to rest when you travel they have been designed to make rest a priority. They want you to rest and enjoy your time when you're on holiday. Now, we can also do the same when it comes to our own home. When you think about the number of hours we spend in our lifetime sleeping, it is worth the investment. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, when you make your room a beautiful place to finish the day, you are more likely to want to spend time in there rather than this is just functional, this is just for me to sleep, it becomes a sanctuary for you to unwind in the evening. So for me, sleep is absolutely essential. Put it this way, when you are hopping into an Uber, would you be safer 
knowing your driver has had a full night's rest or if they only had two hours of sleep. Mm. I know which one I would feel safer in. Mm. Yeah, and the environment thing is so important. I'm big on this. And it's. I recently did an episode with Chris Lovett talking about minimalism and less Mm. is more and I think why I bring this up is because often when you talk about okay create I've said this before create a space and a sanctuary that you want to retreat into make your bedroom a beautiful Mm. place where I have plants in my bedroom (laughs) I have lots of books in my bedroom and I purposefully don't have a lot of other things for Mm. example there's no wardrobe there's no clothes in my bedroom and there's no tech so no Mm. phones no wires no phone chargers no tv and so often people think when you say create something that's beautiful they might think well i've got to add things in and they Mm. might think oh well you know that's you know i don't have a lot of space or i don't have a lot of money or i can't go and buy this fancy diffuser and this candle and these things (laughs) but you know what i mean we want to add wellness we want to buy Mm. things and add things in but actually what if it's just about taking things out decluttering the room so Mm. it feels spacious and calm you know like not having um even things that just remind you of maybe Mm. some work you've got to do or when i say about the wardrobe thing it's because i mean maybe it's just a a confession of being a little bit lazy (laughs) but i think wherever the wardrobe is there tends to be clothes you know there and here and maybe there's you might try something on or hang something over there and there just ends to be clutter and mess Mm. so yeah i'm very big on actually instead of adding things and thinking try Mm. and buy more stuff or you know chris's episode he he talked in depth about this Mm. was can we just eliminate things and live with a bit less to experience more and and i I love what you're saying there because i think we can we can broaden that out to to our own life as well beyond just just the bedroom because we tend to think when it comes to personal development and, and goal setting that we always have to add more. We have to add more into our routine. But actually the reality is if we want to make progress faster, it is less about adding more and more about doing less of the behaviors, the habits and the things that are stopping us making progress. Because when we do less of that, we just give ourselves more space to focus on what really matters mm. rather than get, getting caught up in all these new shiny tips tricks and strategies mm. which may not always work because we haven't even focused on creating room for that yeah and let's hear it let's hear about your power hour so <laughs> simon what time do you wake up in the morning and what do you typically do for the first hour of each day so at the moment i am typically up around 6 to six thirty. Uh, for the first hour before I became a parent, uh, my first hour was all about exercise, meditation and journaling. Now it is about exercise and time with my child because I do the journaling, reading and meditation once she is at nursery. Mm-hmm. So for me, I want to start with the exercise still and then spend time with my daughter before she goes to nursery. Yeah, that's really useful. <laughs> yeah, because it's also such a nice time to talk about energy management. Don't you find as a parent that children have such a beautiful energy in the morning? Mm. You know, they've been asleep. They're often so excited. They have a big, beautiful smile on their face. Or maybe not. Maybe they wake up grumpy and they're just... But whatever it is, I think there's that moment, the first, whether it's the first few minutes, the first hour, mm. when, especially when they're so little. And it goes so quickly. Honestly, my son is growing so quickly. He's, he's almost as tall as me. and I, But it feels like yesterday that you know I know I congratulated Mm. you on becoming a father and I think back to that time and of course for parents listening sometimes you know I'm always saying you know try to sleep well and try and get up early and it's just like it is not gonna happen (laughs) especially if you have a child who's a difficult sleeper or Mm. who just loves to rave at night then yeah you don't get that that kind of calm feeling but it is such a special and amazing time to enjoy whichever way it is even if you're a little bit knackered definitely and I think children also remind us of the importance of being present 
you know, I think we can forget that, especially when you are working on something that you enjoy, you can get lost in it, you can be working all the hours in the day. But when you've got children, they remind you of the importance of first slowing down, being present, but also just being patient. Mm. Because children don't know as much as you do about the world. They're learning for the first time. And so it teaches you to be patient with their own growth. And in some ways, with yourself. Which, which we can be very harsh about. You know, we tend to be our harshest critic. Sometimes we just have to be more patient with ourselves and our journey. Yes. And if you had one tip for the listeners about, you know, we've talked about energy, energy management, mm. energy blockers. If you could leave them with one thing that they could maybe start to embrace in the morning, at the start of their day, in their power hour, to energize them and to set them up for a great day ahead, what would that one thing be? Sure, the one thing for me, it would be gratitude with intention and and there's two exercises you can do here which expresses gratitude with intention and i use those two words at the end purposefully because i think gratitude has become this superficial exercise that we simply just scribble down quickly three things it's sunny this happened that happened done next day tick it off again and so it's become a bit of a checkbox item so gratitude with intention is really slowing down and feeling the gratitude rather than just noting it down and forgetting about it. And Pam Grout in her book, Thank and Grow Rich, which is a play on the original book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, she noted that gratitude with intention is the gateway drug to abundance. So here are two activities that you can do to elevate your energy first thing in the morning. The first is to send thanks. So the first step is to write down the name of somebody that you are grateful for. Second is to write down why you chose that person. And the key is you want to write this part down in as much detail as possible. And then the first step is where the real magic happens. The first step is where you give them a call and tell them exactly what you wrote down. Now, if you're not comfortable giving that person a call or telling them in person, simply drop them a voice note. The key is they have to hear your voice. So even if it is just a voice note, let them know. So that's the first way that you can express gratitude with intention. The second is to just ask yourself, how can I add value into someone's life today, however small? It doesn't have to cost you anything. Kindness, for example, doesn't cost us a single penny, yet it can change someone's life. So how can I add value into someone's life today? And that is coming from a place of gratitude. I'm grateful for the fact that I get to enjoy what I do. I'm grateful for the fact that I woke up this morning. Many people in the world didn't. So how can I, as a result, give value to someone today? Well, I'm grateful for you, Simon. <laughs> I really am. I say that genuinely. I, I was looking forward to this conversation, and this is why. I really feel like the work that you do, the words that you share your energy your expertise <laughs> it, you know you're sharing this with people because you want to have i know a meaningful mm. impact on their life you are having an impact on people's lives and i'm really grateful that we've been able to connect likewise i mean it's so great that we can meet in person in this way especially after as you mentioned at the beginning adrian we, we connected first on social yeah uh, so it's beautiful that we can now meet in person yeah <laughs> and i love sending people voice notes i absolutely love it and although they, they do turn into mini podcasts i'll be honest <laughs> if you get a voice note from me sit down and get a coffee because it's usually a long one but thank you so much for joining us My and pleasure. as always thank you so much for tuning in for listening if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to share it with somebody else please do that is how we grow the power our community is how we spread good energy and motivation and encouragement to others as well and lastly where can people get the book energize well if you want to grab a copy you can head over to getenergizedbook.com that is energized with a z and then you can pick your favorite outlet to purchase a copy from 
Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.